Community Cats podcast. Ready? Let's go. Welcome to the Community Cats podcast. I am your host, Stacey LeBaron. I have been involved helping homeless cats for over 20 years with the Merrimack River Feline Rescue Society. The goal of this podcast is to expose you to amazing people who are improving the lives of cats. I hope these interviews will help you learn how you can turn your passion for cats into action. Today, we're speaking with Jim Tedford. Jim serves as president and CEO for the Society of Animal Welfare Administrators, SAWA, a professional association of leaders in the fields of animal welfare and animal care and control. Jim started his career 32 years ago, serving on the front line of animal welfare. He has been CEO for organizations in New York, Louisiana, and Tennessee. He served as a regional director for the Humane Society of the United States and as volunteer board chair for SAWA. Jim holds a degree in animal science from the University of Tennessee at Knoxville. Jim, I'd like to welcome you to the show. Thanks for having me, Stacey. Looking forward to the conversation. Just wondering if you can sort of jump right in and let us know, how did you get involved in animal welfare 32 years ago? Well, you know, like most people, there was really no rhyme or reason <laughs> to it. I came out, I actually came out of college um, with a degree in animal science, and my plan was to apply to veterinary school, and I ended up getting married instead and decided I was done with school for the time being, landed a job at our local humane society here in Knoxville, Tennessee. I think at that point, had you told me 32 years later I'd still be in this profession, I would have said you were out of your mind. But I don't have to tell the folks listening to this that one once you're in it, you're in it. And whether you're professionally in it or not, you're still your heart's still going to be in it. So it very quickly became not what I did, but who I am. So yeah, the rest is history. I find when I talk to many folks on this show, they really don't know how they've taken the path, but it seemed that like the path was already laid out for them. Yeah, I think that's really the case. You were hands-on. What was it like in that first position in Tennessee? You know, it's fascinating. Every time I do a workshop at a conference or an event somewhere, I always start it with a couple of minutes about my history because I think it's really important that we not lose sight of how far we as an industry have come over the last 30 plus years. When I first started, I was working in a tiny little facility, probably three to 4,000 square feet being generous. And we were at, in that little facility, we were taking in over 14,000 animals a year. We had a staff of fewer than 12 people. We had a very, very small operating budget. The facility was old and tired and, and really being held together primarily by duct tape and love at that stage. And we did the best we could with a really, really rotten situation. And to think about how far we've come since then, we were basically, honestly, a euthanasia machine, as were most shelters in that day. We were taking in far more animals than we could ever hope to place in a community that was really pretty much a wasteland when it came to animal welfare and even a concern for animals. Thankfully, we have made major progress. The last shelter I ran in New York State, we handled about 12,000 animals a year, but we did it in a 42,000 square foot facility with a staff of 70 people and about 700 active volunteers and a much larger budget and a much more supportive community. For the difference between the early 1980s and the early 2000s, our 
pretty remarkable. I'm pleased to continue to watch that progress. But at the same time, I think it's really important to remember the, all the blood, sweat, and tears that has gotten us here. Nobody came in and waved a magic wand and made everything better. It, it took years and years of very hard work to get us there. And frankly, I think we still have years and years of very hard work ahead of us, despite the great progress we've already made. And you had mentioned that the Society of Animal Welfare Administrators, SAWA, we were just talking in the pre-show chat that SAWA has been around for 50 years. So it's been around longer than you have in animal welfare, longer than I have been around. I've been around for about 25 years. So I was just wondering if you could tell us a little bit about SAWA and how it got started and what does it hope to be for folks in the industry today? Sure. It's kind of hard to imagine that anything's been around longer than I have in this industry. <laughs> You're timeless. Indeed, so has. <laughs> and honestly, has played a huge part in my career and I think in the career of many of our colleagues out there in the industry. I, I can tell you, I stumbled into SOA early on in my time in animal welfare. And had I not found this network of people who are incredibly supportive and incredibly generous of, of their knowledge and their expertise and their time, I can't imagine that, that I would have made it 30 plus years doing this. But thankfully, I did find it. And I, I hope a lot of your listeners will investigate a little further if they're not already engaged. So really, the strength of SAWA is in its network. We are the only professional association made up of leaders who are actually on the front line in animal welfare and animal care and control. So the people who are our members are the people who actually walk the talk every day. They're out there getting it done, facing sometimes really unpleasant situations and keeping the fight going to make sure that people and animals and communities are well served when it comes to issues around animal welfare. We are probably best known for our two conferences a year. We, we are really very focused on professional development. So we do a conference in June every year, just had one this June in Long Beach, and that's our management conference, which really is divided into tracks of specific professionals within the industry. So folks who are involved in development and fundraising, folks who are involved in operations, folks who are involved in administration and finance, as well as marketing professionals, all have tracks at that conference that they can follow and, and learn not only from their peers and colleagues within the industry, but we bring in speakers from other industries and from completely outside our own field to really help stretch us and stretch our minds and make us think bigger and broader than what we may think otherwise if we stay very insular. And then our annual conference comes up in November every year. This year we're in Miami. So if you live in a cold place, think about that. And it's a gathering primarily of CEOs, executive directors, senior level managers, a lot of industry partners, folks from business that serve the animal welfare and animal care and control industries. And um, we'll have about 600 folks gathered in Miami to really learn not only from a great lineup of speakers, but also to really learn from each other, to spend time getting to know one another. And then between conferences, we're actually showing up now. We're, so we've taken SAWA on the road this year, and we're showing up at a lot of state and regional regional conferences, helping to sponsor them so that they can elevate the quality of their executive level training. And also so we can expose them to SAWA and let them know that we're out here. We, even at 50 years of age, we still in some circles are the best kept secret in animal welfare. We want to get away from that. Another real benefit that I think listeners might learn from is we have two Facebook groups, two closed Facebook discussion groups. So once you become a member of SAWA, you're eligible to sign up 
up for one or both of those groups. And the beauty in that is that you actually have access to about 450 of your colleagues in real time for any questions or issues that you may have questions about. So if you if you're dealing with something that you think you may be the only one who's ever dealt with it, you can post a question and within minutes you're going to start getting responses from your peers and colleagues from all over the country. So again, the strength of SAWA really is in that network and your access to people who are in the same boat that you're in and are, are more than willing to help you in any way that they possibly can. So I probably, being part of a cat organization that we assisted about 8,000 cats a year with two mobile spay neuter clinics, and we had an adoption program where we adopted out 500 cats a year. So I wouldn't call our organization sort of the traditional sort of humane society type organization. Is SAWA an organization that has membership benefits to maybe a smaller organization or an organization that may be only focused on cats alone or maybe just a foster home-based organization? Is there a place for those types of organizations within the SAWA network? Absolutely. Those types of organizations are having a profound impact in a positive way on the welfare of animals around the country. Traditional humane societies, animal welfare groups, sheltering organizations are still working really hard, but we have been supplemented in such incredible ways by organizations who are doing foster-based rescue, who are doing high-volume, high-quality spay-neuter. All of those folks have got a place at the table at SAW. We actually, and interestingly, I've been in this role for about two years, although I've been involved with SAWA for nearly 30. And we actually changed our bylaws about a year ago and made sure that we were very inclusive of anybody who's a leader in animal welfare, whether it's with a traditional shelter or whether it's with a foster-based group or a spay-neuter clinic. All those folks are eligible now for voting level membership in SAWA. So we, yeah, we, we certainly welcome that perspective to the table and appreciate the good work that all those folks are doing in their communities. If you like the Community Cats podcast and would like to help promote Community Cats in your state, then we need you. We're looking for a couple of people from each state to be Community Cats ambassadors. What do you get by being an ambassador? You'll be mailed a promo kit of items to use to help promote the show at any event that you attend in your state. If you don't attend many events, hey, that's okay too. Do you have a network of people that love community cats? You can help with emailing groups in your state to let them know about the CCP and offer them the benefit of community cat swag. The more we can spread the word about the show, the more we can do to help cats across the country. Please email Stacy, S-T-A-C-Y, at communitycatspodcast.com if you'd like to represent your state. Thank you. I want to hear from you what the Community Cats Podcast means to you. You can now leave a recorded testimonial on the Community Cats podcast website and share your thoughts about the show. You can also ask questions, share show ideas, pretty much anything you want. Just go to www.communitycatspodcast.com and click on the testimonial link and record. You hear from me all of the time, and now I want to hear from you. Thank you. If there are some folks that are interested but maybe they can't afford the conference fee or something like that, or their organization's not willing to put up the money or something like that. You do offer some scholarship opportunities, don't you? 
We do. Every year, about two months before the conferences, both conferences, we actually put out a call for scholarship applications. We've got two funds that were established in memory of leaders in the industry, and we award about $20,000 a year in scholarships so that folks who may be financially challenged or strapped can actually still take advantage of the learning and networking opportunities at the conferences. The other thing we're really focusing on is not only are we trying to get out on the road and show up at as many state and regional events as we can, we're also looking at all sorts of opportunities for distance learning so that those folks can avail themselves of training without ever having to leave their offices. Certainly the networking benefit of coming to a conference is huge, but we, we do understand the reality of budget restrictions. So if you can't make it to a, a conference, um, you know, certainly apply for a scholarship. Otherwise, please watch our website for any sort of distance learning webinar type opportunities that are out there. We just completed a seven-part webinar series with the ASPCA releasing our uh, companion animal transport best practice. And we had almost 6,000 people who signed up for one or more of those webinar sessions. We're available in one way or another to just about everybody in the industry. Well, that's a fantastic turnout. And I think that's great that you're reaching out beyond the focus of the conferences. Now, for folks that are already in a management position or are looking to have some sort of certification, there is something called KAWA, which I'm not that familiar with. I'm wondering if maybe others might want to learn more about that, too. Sure. So KAWA, which stands for Certified Animal Welfare Administrator, is actually the only professional credential for folks engaged in animal welfare, animal care and control work. Uh, if you go on our website and look up the certification page, you can get more information. But fundamentally, once you qualify to sit for the certification exam, and that's based on your years of experience in the industry, we actually are in the process right now of switching our exam system from being a twice a year offering to a year round offering where you can actually go to a learning center in your own community and take a proctored exam. And it's a tough one. I'll, I'll be honest. I actually sat, interestingly enough, I actually sat for the very first Kawa exam way back in the day and I passed it, but I walked out of that room sweating bullets. It's a tough test. It'll challenge you. There's a lot of studying involved. We have a whole set of authoritative references that have to be read and studied in order to really prep for the exam. So your year's experience will take you a long way, but you also have to prepare based on those references. At this point, we have about 120 people who have actually passed and are certified. You recertify every third year once you've actually passed the exam. So you join an elite group of people who have that Kawa behind their name. We're starting to see more and more job listings actually in the industry where those who are doing the hiring are posting that they prefer someone with the Kawa credential. There's some definite career value to it, but also there's just that pride in knowing that you really are one of the elite. You've achieved a major status in animal welfare. And are there any specific requirements? Like you have to be a college graduate. Do you have to have X number of years in the business to be even able to take this exam? Yeah, you have to have had a certain number of years in the field and they have to have been in a certain type of position. You can find out all the certification requirements by visiting that page on the SAWA website. Sounds great. Let's uh, spend a few minutes talking about Community Cats and your experiences with Community Cats over the years. I'm wondering if you can take us back again to your days in Tennessee and you touched upon it a little bit, you know, and sort of how you think Community Cats were treated 
30 years ago, 20 years ago, 10 years ago, and then what the current makeup is like, and what do you see for the future for community cats across the country? Great question. And I, yeah, I almost hate to go back to those early years because we were taking in such a tremendously high volume of both dogs and cats and puppies and kittens, tons of puppies and kittens back then. The adoption rate was abysmally low. So that meant the euthanasia rate was considerably high. And certainly over the years, we have seen that change in very dramatic ways. And we've seen people really become much more creative in terms of the way we address, certainly the way we address cats. I think beginning with TNR programs, there was a time back in in the early stage of my career when TNR was extremely controversial and folks were really nervous about putting cats back out into the community where they may be at risk. As partnerships were developed, folks started to realize that the caregivers for those cats were, in most cases, extraordinary people with huge hearts and major levels of commitment to making sure that those cats were well cared for wherever they happened to be and that they were kept safe. We sort of evolved in that direction all the way to the point now where we're looking at community cats and those cats who are are existing in many cases just fine out in the communities where they live without a lot of direct human intervention. So I suspect that we're going to continue to see a lot of that. I hope that the conflicts between community cats and wildlife, and I hope that we can find some resolution to that and really work through some solutions dealing with folks who have interest on both sides of that issue. One thing I would really like to see, and we're looking at putting something like this together, is a forum where folks representing all various aspects of it, whether they're representing the interest of wildlife, whether they're representing the interest of community cats, and then everybody in between with an interest who touches the lives of these cats can come together and really talk through what the true issues are. What will it take for us to really reach a place where we can sort of peacefully coexist with the best interest of the community? as a whole and specifically those cats at heart. I think that's where we're headed. I'm really excited to see it. You and I were talking before the the show about the whole notion of transport of companion animals. And to be honest with you, I never thought I would live to see a day where we're transporting animals from the deep south to the northeast and the upper Midwest and other spots around the country for placement because of shortage of those animals in those communities. And we're even seeing the transport of cats, which is it's remarkable and it's wonderful all at the same time. So I think the picture looks bright. I think we've certainly done, you know, through, a, again, a lot of effort, a lot of blood, sweat and tears. We've made major progress. But when it comes to cats, I tell people all the time, the two big issues that are still on our plates in the animal welfare industry are what to do about the proliferation of pit bulls and what to do about cats. And I think we're making major progress in both areas. Very interesting. I really think that the next 10 years are going to be very interesting. Things are going to change quickly. I'm hoping technology will help us in playing a role in being able to clearly define how our communities are doing in assisting our cats because we have our shelter statistics, but then we also have the four paws on the street and we need to ensure that they're getting some of the assistance that they need. And obviously spay neuter is a big part of it. But I think we're going to have some of these aging colonies needing some medical assistance. So I think that that might be becoming part of our conversation going forward. 
Yeah, really good point. I think one of the areas of partnership that we in animal welfare have always really tried to develop is the partnership with the veterinary community. And I think that's going to become even more critical, even in the shelter setting where we're seeing very high rates of adoption, very low rates of euthanasia. The animals that are left in shelters are those that are, are really kind of deemed difficult to place, either because of health issues or behavior problems. They're tough to place, and we're going to really need the support of our friends in the veterinary community to help manage those populations and get those animals prepared for ultimate placement in a new home. And I think you're exactly right. Those cats that are out living in colonies, whether they're managed or otherwise, they're going to need a little bit more intervention as they age. As we start to reach our objectives and we're not seeing new cats introduced into these colonies at nearly the same rate, instead we're really doing a lot to try and place those who are left in those colonies and getting older by the day. And the one thing coming from the Northeast, some things to consider too, is the fact that we are very low on kittens in the Northeast. And no matter how much transport we do, we're not going to be able to transport in enough kittens to make up for what we no longer have in Massachusetts. And therefore, people are getting their kittens in more of the backyard or the online situation, and they're not getting their kittens spayed and neutered. And so we are getting a little bit of a blip from that population because the spay-neuter before adoption isn't providing the numbers needed to keep that market, I guess I would say, supplied. Right. There's always that fear that it would not take much for us to backslide and end up back in a place where we're starting to see overpopulation in areas because of folks trying to fill that void and meet that demand and maybe going a little overboard with the number of animals that are being either transferred in or bred in order to meet the demand of the public. So, yeah, I think we've got to really keep our eye on that and make sure that we keep it in check. It's one thing for us to have made this great progress and great strides in terms of reducing overpopulation. But we know it wouldn't take much more than a generation to put us right back in that boat. Right. Oh, I, I agree. I mean, three to five years, you could be in trouble very quickly if you're not keeping an eye on, yeah. on things. Or it just takes Adam yeah. and Eve, right? <laughs> That's it. That's the way it all started, right? There was that one breeding pair somewhere back in the day. And I joke all the time, if it were up to the animals to fix all of this, it would have been fixed a long time ago. It's we humans who messed it up. So we're the ones who are going to have to come up with creative ways to solve it. So, Jim, if folks are interested in finding out more about SOA, how would they do that? So best way is to go to our website, and that is SAWA Network. It's S-A-W-A Network.org. And we will actually keep your eye on it. In about mid-July or so, we should be launching our brand new website, which is going to be even more user-friendly. It's going to be chock full of terrific resources that are available to anybody who wants them. Everything from job descriptions to, to ways of tracking population statistics in shelters and all sorts of great materials that can all be downloaded. Oh, fantastic. And is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners today? I really do appreciate the work you're doing in the trenches. I have been there myself for most of the last 32 years, and it's been a, quite a wild ride. And my best piece of advice in our industry has always been that we have much greater strength if we all work together as opposed to working in opposition. Everybody's got a role to play and a part to play here. So certainly network and collaborate whenever you possibly can. And if you need help doing that, please reach out to Sawa. That's really our greatest strength. Jim, I want to thank you so much for agreeing to be a guest on my show, and I hope we'll have you on in the future. I'd 
be happy to come back anytime. Thank you so much. The Community Cats podcast will soon be a year old with over 200 episodes profiling amazing people who are all making a difference in the lives of community cats. If you would like to support the show but not be a sponsor, feel free to contribute to our efforts by going to www.communitycatspodcast.com and follow the donate link. Help us to continue to provide excellent programming. 